0: Welcome to Church Online this week. We have some exciting news for you. Many of you know that the 10th of the 10th is our 10th birthday and now with level 1 we are able to celebrate in person. We are working out some of the details and we will communicate during the week via the app and our social media platforms. We are also asking for you the church to share your stories of how God has worked in your life while at Riverside, so please send us a short one minute video a voice note or even a written note for us to use. But for today, we are happy that you are here. We are also doing communion together today, so make sure that you've got your elements ready to join in. I want to open up today's message with a question when you go through a tough time what is the first question you ask and i want to suggest or maybe predict that's the first question you ask yourself as you go through a tough time as you experience some suffering is why why did this happen why am i going through this and i totally get that I call it the power of the why. You see, when I know why I'm going through something, I'm empowered, I'm equipped, I'm prepared, I have a bigger perspective, and because I see the bigger picture, I'm prepared to endure what I'm going through. You see, a couple of years ago, some of you know, I went through some surgery and um, it wasn't fun. It was painful. It was stressful. It was difficult. But I knew why. I knew why I had to experience some short-term pain for some long-term gain, right? And because of that, I was so happy to go through that. However, if you had to rugby tackle me in the middle of the day, stick a needle in my vein, knock me out, me wake up in a strange room with pipes going everywhere. I mean, That feels like a horror movie. I would be freaked out. Why? Because I'm going through the struggle, but I don't know why. And so when things go wrong in this life, we naturally ask the question why? But doesn't it seem that the answer to that question can be one of the most elusive things in these times? I mean, why did I lose my job? Why am I suffering? Why did that person go through the red robot? Why is this relationship falling apart? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this tough time? And and it is so natural that in the middle of this difficulty to seek an explanation or a purpose in the middle of my suffering. Now, this is natural, whether you're religious or not, but I want to pose a question to you, especially maybe if you're not a religious person. If we, when we go through tough times, there's something in us that seeks purpose, that seeks explanation, and we're really asking someone the question why, my question is this, who are we asking? Who are we addressing the why question to? Because the reality is, if there is no God, then I am asking the question to no one. I'm asking the question, just it's a philosophical question. There is no concrete answer to that question. In fact, if I'm going through suffering and I'm calling something wrong, I don't even get to call that wrong. If I'm experiencing violence, if anything, violence is how we evolved. Violence is how we got here. And therefore, violence is nature doing what nature does. And therefore, that question becomes absolutely redundant. And yet something in us demands an explanation. Something in our hearts yearns for understanding some sense of purpose. Some sense of what is happening in the middle of my suffering. And that's what today is about. It's a tool to equip us while we're going through suffering to see beyond some of our painful circumstances. What is God doing? How is God at work in the middle of my suffering? I mentioned last week that I've been hanging out in the book of Philippians. And as I was reading the book of Philippians, just knowing the series where we're going to be going through, just a lot of verses started to pop out at me. And so a large portion of our verses are going to come from the book of Philippians. However, we are going to bounce around a lot of the New Testaments as well. But Paul is writing to a church but he's writing not from a hotel or from his comfortable space he's writing from prison and as uncomfortable as prison is today prisons back then were absolutely horrible you weren't fed three times a day you didn't get a nice little bed you you didn't have counseling and medical facilities and a library and so paul is experiencing trauma physical suffering, hunger, probably regular beatings, and he writes to this church. Now, before I show you what he says, just use your own imagination. If you were going through that kind of difficulty, and if you had an opportunity to write to a church, what would you say? I know for myself, I'd be tempted to say, and I'm sure most of us would be tempted to say something along these lines, help, get me out. This is so unfair. Just do everything in your power to get God to get me out of this place. And yet that is not what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says with regards to the suffering he is going through and the perspective that he has. He says in Philippians 1, and just starting at the end of verse 18, he says, yes, and i will continue to rejoice now press pause on that word that word is going to come up a number of times today yes and i will continue to rejoice for i know there's a perspective he has that is equipping him as a tool to get him through the suffering for i know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of jesus christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance Now when he's talking about what has happened to me, he is talking about his imprisonment and the pain and the suffering that he's going through. He knows something and part of what he knows is that God is working redemption in the middle of his suffering. He could have said, this is so unfair, which is true. He could have said, get me out of here. And I'm sure part of him wanted to say that. He could have said, this is so painful, which is true. He even goes on to say a few verses later, I may even lose my life in this place. And all of that is true. And yet Paul is convinced that even though he's going through the suffering, this does not mean God is absent and therefore he needs to throw away his faith. If anything, he is absolutely convinced That God is right there with him. And God is doing something. He's at work. He's bringing about a deliverance. There is a redemptive work of God in the middle of this very suffering. Now, I, I know that sounds crazy to have that kind of perspective in the middle of such challenge. But yet there are two ingredients I want to just bring your attention to in this verse. The first ingredient is this. He says, I know that your prayers... And so there are a group of people who are praying for him. I'm sure he's praying himself, but there are people who are supporting him in prayer. This is so much more than just a sense of, well, I'm so glad that people are praying for me. But Paul is aware that through our prayers, something is being shifted in the the supernatural world. And that God is imparting something of himself to him because of their prayers. The second thing he says here, and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that somehow through prayers, Paul is leaning into God's Spirit. Paul is leaning into faith and he's discovering, he's knowing that there is a redemptive work of God in the middle of the suffering. Viktor Frankl, he was a psychiatrist uh, who spent over three years in the Nazi death camps. Uh, And he, he survived it and he was able to write about his experiences. And one of the things he noticed was that even in the middle of such horrendous suffering, probably worse than what Paul was experiencing, just where human life was treated like absolute garbage Uh, people were treated like animals uh, their bodies were fading away they were treated with violence disregarded such suffering even in the middle of all of that one would think people would be abandoning God left right and center except what he saw with his own eyes was people finding faith just like Paul people praying for each other, people leaning into the spirits of Jesus Christ, people experiencing something redemptive about what God was doing even in the middle of the space. They were praying together, memorizing scripture, having church services in the corner of their tents. And so if you're going through a tough time, and at some level I'm sure every single one of us is, maybe your immediate impulse is to abandon faith and get angry with God or the universe. But maybe, maybe we can press into the spirits of Jesus Christ and maybe we too can discover there is a redemptive work of God even in the middle of what you are going through. And so if this big principle is at play, if God is working redemptively in the middle of my suffering, what are some of the ways that God is at work? So I've got four thoughts for you this morning in the, or today, and the first thought is this: is that God is developing your character. God is developing your character. Now when I was younger, teachers often used to say things like this to me, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." And I never used to enjoy hearing that, because it is always about something negative. And yet there is some truth to that. Listen to two verses. I'm going to read from the book of James. This is Jesus' brother, and this is what he writes. He writes in James 1, verses 2 to 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, large trials, big trials, medium-sized trials, because you know that the testing of your faith you know something, you equip, there's a tool in your mind that allows you to get through the suffering. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that, so that, I know this thing, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Paul writes similarly to the Roman church in Romans 5 verses 3 to 4. He says, we also rejoice in our suffering because we know, we know what God is doing. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, at first, that sounds crazy. James opens up with the words, count it pure joy. Paul opens up with the words, Rejoice. Early in the book of Philippians, he says in this, I rejoice. Now, who experiences tough times and dances and jumps up and down full of joy because of the tough times they're going through? Except Paul knows something he's equipped because he sees the bigger picture of what is actually going on part of which has to do with his character he rejoices in that fact he rejoices in that god is molding him and shaping him and developing maturity bringing him to completion he knows how valuable that is in his life and for that reason he can count it Joy. He sees the bigger picture and he can count its joy. See, the only way that this makes sense is God and what God is doing in the middle of all of this. You see, it's very natural to experience joy and peace and love and contentment when you're driving down the road in our brand new BMW, but it is supernatural to experience loss and challenge and suffering and yet still still to find God in it and find faith and find joy and find peace and understand that God is developing and working something in you and to rejoice in that that is only God therefore it is a supernatural way that God is on display in the middle of our suffering just like fire is just like it takes fire to take gold and to burn out all the impurities sometimes it takes a fire in our life it's not the only way God works but sometimes it takes a fire in our life to burn away some of the impurities in my life so maybe you respond by saying Stephen you know what that might be true but I I don't know if I like that well let me give you a perspective on this Uh, how, how many times has your character let you down What does it cost you when your blind spots and your failures and your failings and your immaturity, what does it cost you? What does it cost your marriage? What does it cost your family? And and if you can sort of in your mind's eye just take a glance at what your character or lack of character has cost you. What price tag would you put to that? What would you be willing to go through in order to have your character transformed? Again, it's not the only way that God works, but maybe suddenly we can recognize, hey, even if I'm going through some suffering, if God is using this as a fire in my life to refine me, then I'm gonna count it pure joy. Now, before I move on to the next point, I do wanna say something very carefully. This doesn't mean that God authored your pain. This doesn't mean that God determined that this is going to happen in your life, that someone's going to jump a red robot, that someone's going to lose their life. What it does mean, though, is that God works in all things. Regardless of their source, God works in all things for your good. So that can give us joy and that gives us a fresh perspective on how God is growing my character in the middle of suffering that's the first way the second thing that God is doing is that God is preparing you for ministry God is using the furnace of suffering to prepare you and to equip you for ministry well Stephen how does that work well 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 says this praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Listen how they describe God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts. Who does what? Who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comforts overflows." So let me ask you, according to this verse, how does God comfort us in our tough times? Well, the first way is that He comforts us vertically. We bring our despair to Him. We bring our broken hearts to Him. We bring our pain to Him. And He blesses us with comfort and with grace and with His presence. That is the first way. It's like a vertical deposit of comfort into our lives. But the second way is when God blesses somebody else with, man, they've been through a tough time. They've experienced the challenge and they found God's grace. And as they come alongside me, I experience God's comfort and God's grace through somebody else. It's Almost like a horizontal recipient of God's grace through someone else. You see, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for about 15 years and at some level I've been trained to do counseling. Uh, I try and keep myself equipped, and uh, I'm I'm reading on these things. I've, uh, over the course of the 15 years, had some experience. Sometimes I've been called into some very difficult and confusing and sometimes very dark circumstances, and people are, are, are needing my counsel and hopefully some wisdom and some comfort. But do you know that in spite of all of that, that if you go through something tragic, sometimes the best person through whom God is going to comfort you is not me. Now, absolutely, we all need to be around you in that time. We all need to show up. We all need to pray for you, as we saw earlier with Paul in prison. We all need to support you in all these different ways. But the person that God is going to use in the most powerful way is not the person with the title pastor, but it's going to be the person who experienced what you experienced, who lost what you lost, who is going through the fiery trial that you are going through and yet found faith. And yet, experience God's peace and God's supply of grace and mercy and His presence and His comforts, And they received a supernatural deposit from God in that time. And then they come alongside you in this time. And maybe they don't come with answers, but they come with divine comforts. And that is how this works. And so my question to you is this. If you've been through something. Something painful, and maybe the pain is still in many ways fresh, even if it's years later. But you've been through something painful, you've been through loss, you've been through tragedy, but you know that somehow through it all, you found God, you found faith, God has given you comfort and His presence and His love and His peace. I want to challenge you to offer that whole experience up to God. As a ministry, JD Greer says, when you are dealt a circumstance that should make you miserable and instead you choose joy, God can turn it into your greatest ministry. There are people right now who are going through what you've been through and are are struggling and are, are losing faith and are losing ground. And maybe the very person that they need right now is you. And so if you say, God, I'm going to give my pain to you, but also my testimony and my witness and my experience of you and my pain. And I'm going to offer it up to you that you use it how you choose. I don't know how God's going to orchestrate events. I don't know how God's going to lead you to people around you. But if you offer that up to God, who knows how God is going to comfort others because of the comfort you experience from God in your pain. So God is working on our character God is also preparing us for ministry. A third way that God is at work is that God is displaying His power through you. His power through you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. God is the hero of the story. Listen to the hardship and the trials that Paul is referring to. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. I believe that even for those of us who aren't hook, line, and sinker into the health, wealth, prosperity gospel still at some level believe that God is best on display in my life when my neighbors and my colleagues and my family look at my life and go, wow, when, man, everything is going well, when, man, the business deals are flying my way, when my comfort levels are sky high, when I'm sitting pretty, that somehow is the evidence that God is on display in my life. Now don't get me wrong, God can bless you in these ways. When He blesses you in those ways, He's blessing you for the overflow. He's making you a vehicle of His blessing to others. He's blessing you so that you can in turn bless others. However, that is not the only way that God's power is on display in our lives. Because sometimes God's power is on display in my life when I'm being crushed, when I'm being persecuted, but I'm not being destroyed. When somehow, when cracks are showing in the fragility of my own life, God's internal power is on display and His light is shining to the world around me. Just just picture someone you know, someone in your life who is not a Christian. Imagine they had to watch you suffering. What are they going to see? And how you suffer, what is that going to say about the hope that you have? are they going to see a God that is only worth holding on to when things are easy and comfortable or are you going to display such a resilient faith man that God is valuable that God's power is on display even when I'm feeling cracked and crushed and persecuted there is still such value in God and His power. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian novelist and a historian and a philosopher um, and at one stage he was in a Siberian prison and again probably not the most pleasant of circumstances. Uh, he was one night having a late night conversation with a friend of his in prison who was a Jewish doctor and this man was sharing his testimony with uh, Solzhenitsyn who was yet to become a Christian. And this man was just sharing how he, as a Jewish doctor, came to a life-giving, transforming faith in Jesus Christ. That very night, after their conversation, this man was beaten to death in his own bed by the prison guards. But listen to what Saul Zanitzen says about this experience. He says, His last words lay upon me as an inheritance. It was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Bless you, prison, for having been in my life. A mysterious ways that God is at work in our fragility and in our pain and our suffering, bringing goodness in spite of it all. A fourth way that God is at work in our suffering is that suffering. Helps me know Jesus. Suffering helps me truly know. And experience the presence of Jesus. Paul writes this. Philippians 3.10. He says. I want to know Christ. And let me remind you. This is not about book knowledge. This is about relational knowledge. I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing. In his sufferings. I was actually thinking about this verse a few months ago and a strange thought came to me so it's a bit macabre but go along with me let's say someone came up to you one day and they said I'm going to give you 10 million dollars 10 million dollars I mean that's an unimaginable amount of money they said I'm going to give you 10 million dollars but it's going to cost you something it's going to cost you some pain so the thought experiment is this what would you be prepared to go through in order to get that 10 million dollars so let's start quite low the guy said to you, "I'll give you 10 million dollars if I get you chop a finger off." Now some of you are already out, but some of you are actually saying, "Listen, for 10 million dollars, you can have my finger. Let's escalate it a bit. I'll give you 10 million dollars if you let me cut your foot off." Now, honestly, I'm out at that point, but maybe you're starting to say, "Well, for 10 million dollars, listen." I think there's a plan that can be be made. Maybe you said, okay, for $10 million, you go to a horrible prison for 20 years. But on the day that you come out, I'm going to give you $10 million. You see, at some point, you're going to be evaluating $10 million and what you can do with that and the benefit it is to you compared to the suffering you're going through. And at some point, you're saying, but it's worth it. I'm happy to go through all of this if it gives me the $10 million. Now I know this analogy is not a perfect analogy. But Paul is saying, listen, here's what I want. The $10 million in this analogy is knowing Christ. The value of having Him in my life. His life giving spirit to me. Knowing Him. He's closer to a brother in these circumstances. And if it takes suffering to help me know Him. For Paul, it's worth it because he was, yes, he's the God of power, he's the God of resurrection, but he's also the suffering servant. And if somehow my suffering helps me identify with his suffering or helps the suffering God identify with me and my suffering, and if somehow that helps me know Christ more, for Paul, he's saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, This message has has just tried to highlight some of the ways that God may be at work in the middle of our suffering. And I know what I haven't done is answered the particular case of suffering you're going through. I haven't said why. Why did this particular thing happen? But hopefully you're starting to see some of the ways that God is redemptively at work. Hopefully this becomes a tool for you that as you know these things, as Paul has said so many times, I know this and because I know this, I can endure this because of the bigger picture that I have and because I want to know Christ. Maybe you're starting to lean on the Spirit of God in the middle of your suffering hopefully you're starting to see that as we turn to God in our suffering, we don't turn to a God who's absent or who's not there or a God who's indifferent to my suffering or maybe a God who's up there but feels a little bit bad for me down here. We turn to a God who suffered with us, who suffered for us and who suffered as us, which is why I think it is just so appropriate at this point in the message is that we go to the table where we look at the place where God suffered for us and as us and with us. Jesus suffering on the cross. So let's go to the table together. It is so appropriate that at this stage we come to the table because at the center of our faith is a cross where god suffered but he suffered for the sins of others he was the innocent one who suffered for the sins of the world for your sins and for my sins and yet we see in the cross that when god looked his weakest he was doing his greatest and so that gives us incredible faith that while i feel my weakest in suffering maybe god is doing some of his greatest work as painful as it might be so as we take communion let's lean into God and if you are going through a difficult time I encourage you as a step of faith to open up your heart to the presence of God who is there with you and we're going to be praying for you after communion just as Paul had people praying for him in his tough time and so let's take communion thinking about the God who suffered for us And so we're gonna start off by taking the bread, the picture of Christ's body who was broken for us. Let's eat together. Now we're going to take the cup, a picture of Christ's blood who was shed for me so that I can be at peace with God. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you are redemptively at work in my suffering. Thank you that the cross shows me and convinces me so that I can know this and that this can grow my faith and I can lean into your presence in the middle of my tough time. Father, I do pray for those who are going through tough times that you would supernaturally comfort them, that they would experience your comfort and that they too would be a comfort to others. So Father, we give ourselves to you and although we don't always fully understand it and see it, we ask you to be doing this character work in us. We're not necessarily asking for more suffering unnecessarily. We're asking that in the middle of our tough time, that you are growing me, you are maturing me, and you're bringing me to completion. And Father God, as I experience your grace and your presence in your life, even in the middle of my tough time, we give ourselves to you so that we in turn can become a blessing to others. So, Father God, in our tough times, I pray that you would display your power through us to the world around us, that we would be a testimony of grace and resurrection that comes through the cross. Father, finally, I pray that you would help us know Jesus, to truly know him in the middle of our tough times, that we would taste and know that the Lord is good. Jesus, we know that you're so near to us in this time. We thank you for this and we thank you that we can know this and we can trust this and we can lean into this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us online. Bye for now.